The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We have Emperor Palpatine on Galaxy Tonight. Mr. Palpatine? Thank you so much, Mamai. I'm so glad to be here, and I hope you know that I'm here to promote something, as most people are on your show. Here to promote something we have no one seen before. Yes, I... So, the Empire has its own legion of holidays. You know, Empire Day, Life Day. Well, I'm thinking more of a... We consolidate those holidays into one one big holiday. And what would that look like? Oh, your uh, graciousness. Imagine the table set with food from all the core worlds. Everyone's here to visit. Even your local moth is here to, te- to check it out. And we call it Empire's Giving. Ooh! Because at the end of the dinner, you give all your assets to the Empire. <laughs> now that is a holiday... I think any loyal citizen of the Empire would be right on board for. I'm glad you agree, and I will not have you executed after this broadcast, on one condition. And what's that? You listen to the Dark Times podcast. Welcome back to the show! Welcome back to the show. Sam, we did it. We're the we're past the prequels of our podcast. We are life. past <laughs> the prequels of our podcast, and much like the pre- prequels, the first one was the worst, and <laughs> we're getting better from there. Uh, hey, if that if the podcast was about naming a podcast, that would be our best episode. You can't have a podcast about <laughs> naming a podcast. Sadly, trust me, I've looked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! Drop the fucking we're, stick. We're we're bringing some good energy today, Steven. We are. I feel pretty energetic. I, I like, just had a green tea. You had a green tea. Yeah. Nice. I like that opening bit. I think, as you said, I think it was our yeah, best one yet. Probably our best one yet. Honestly, that's, yeah. Well, oh, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. That was a, a legit message from Emperor Palpatine himself. Yeah, from space. From space. <laughs> <laughs> from a galaxy far, far so, away. So, our last episode went great. Went yeah. swimmingly. We have a lot of feedback. A lot of people reaching out to us. Seriously. It's incredible, Did as you want to talk about, like, the Patreon first because or should we do that later you want to pet you want to peg pedal our, our fucking shit show first or do you want to wait till we get to the halfway point to talk about how poor we are Fine, we'll wait till the halfway <laughs> point i'm just excited about the page i know you're excited um we will talk about that the halfway point though okay yeah. we'll you know, yeah. we'll break yeah we'll break. um so uh, i think first we're probably gonna go over there was some, some oh yeah feedback. we gotta we gotta introduce some some revisions community feedback for last episode yeah stuff we just missed or we should have included just or and just straight up fucking wrong straight up just incorrect just lies on air um, well <laughs> <laughs> no don't you know that being underinformed about something is the same as lying about it uh in a court of law maybe <laughs> i don't know about in here oh, is that like um hearsay or or speculation i guess that's speculation. i think it's manslaughter Man's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess so some revisions from last week mm-hmm. uh, brought to us by Lil Literalist, very prominent member of the Swissy community. Um, the species of that medic you played that we were thinking about with the Fosh, healing tears? Yes. Fosh. Yeah. Fosh. Bird people. I remember great. because she's posh and she's a Fosh. That oh, that whole, is, that, was, that is, was the deal. That is, was the deal. Fucking hell. Uh, Selkath are also a notable healing race. They have, a, I believe, a bonus to treat injury checks outright. Um... First aid can be attempted again if you fail, since mm-hmm. it says that you can only benefit from it every 24 hours. So if you fail, I'd argue you're not benefiting from it. Obviously, that's going to be some, some 
people might disagree you with probably that. Probably still use the med pack though. Yeah. Well, uh, no, I say uh, you would. Uh, well, that's, what, that's what you say. <laughs> <laughs> but the med pack is used upon completing the check, right? Yeah, but is it used upon failing the check? As you complete well? the check, you I, still fail. I, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, you would well, use the med pack if you fail. I think you. I think you would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we agree. That's what I said. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Moving on. Um, this is something that I, for some reason, never even thought of and felt a little stupy for not considering before. Um, surgery can be repeated as many times as you'd like. Yeah. As much as you have time for. Yeah. And it's just, if you fail, you, if you, if you fail, fail you take you, damage, you do damage instead um, of healing. But you can just go ahead and just, you know, keep on suturing, baby. Um, also the surgical expertise feat, uh, takes it down to 10 minutes long. We might've briefly mentioned that last week. I can't remember. So, and that, that is, I mean, down from an hour. That's so surgery expertise feet goes down to 10 minutes. And then yeah. with the medical secret, you can do it half the time, which is five minutes. So honestly, you're, you're pumping out HP. Like it's no one's, but that's like full business. medic. Like, yeah, obviously. Class, yeah. Not, like not the level one stuff we were talking about last week. Um, but still worth noting, still worth noting. Absolutely. Uh, something to keep in mind, especially if you want to be that medic for your party or want to make that medic for your party. Um, you can second wind if you're below half HP even if it's a fresh day where you haven't had combat that day. So let's say you're expended your second wind, you're dying, you're tired, you start to rest, next day comes, go ahead and second wind again after that next day comes, and you're, you're Yeah, you're and it going. should be noted that second winding isn't per 24 hours, it's mm. per long rest, you get one. Oh, really? Is it per, like, after eight hours of rest you get? Yeah, after, I, after a rest, you get a second wind back. Oh, I thought it just it's said... It's not like per... You can't, like, midnight, second wind, and then fucking one in the morning, <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Um, is that what it says, though? Well, that's what it means. That's what it impl- that's rules is intended. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree. It says once per day. So, obviously, I would rule that as, like, after you've had your long rest yeah, is the new day. Yeah, once per day. It, uh, rules is written mm-hmm. is, like, every 24 hours. No, but rules is intended is, like, after a long rest. You of, can do another second of course. And people, people will disagree with that, but people can get pretty freaking cheesy also. So I mean, if... <laughs> But it just doesn't make. S- I mean, like well, that's what well, that's the rules say. But like, it doesn't make sense in that sense. Like, it's twelve oh one. I can second win again during the boss fight. Like, if that was the case, all of- I would be the worst player ever. If that was the case, if my DM ruled it that way, every combat would take place at midnight. And you- it would be like I would be like, all right, you guys, we have five minutes, five in game minutes before we can long run. Are you suggesting that some rules lawyers ignore the obvious and practical elements of storytelling to make themselves correct? They can't. <laughs> No way. <laughs> um, force trance, uh, not related to the treat injury skill. It's an application of the use the force skill, but you can get people recovering pretty quickly. As a Jedi, you can either place, well, actually, not even as a Jedi. Is force trance the one where you put them in like a shorter version of a long rest? Yeah, if you're That's trained really cool. in, if you're uh, trained in use the force, if you're force sensitive, um, you can put another target or yourself into kind of a coma like state. Um, where you heal faster and also can get surgery done on you while you're in that state as well. So just another way to really bump Wait, up your healing. I didn't healing. know that. That is so yeah, cool. Yeah, there's nothing says that you can't. And honestly, it makes sense to me. Like, I think we... Um, you can perform surgery on an unconscious uh, creature. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, as long Non, as... Non-consensual surgery. Okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Forced trance, they have, to be, they have to be willing. They're willing to the trance. Are they willing to the surgery? <laughs> well, that's that like an informed... Like, I feel like, oh, yeah, is it, this is like a do not resuscitate situation. <laughs> like, Wake me up. I can't uh, imagine... I cannot imagine a character that would consent to a forced trance that wouldn't want to get healed even more if they were injured. Apparently they put Walt Disney under forced trance. <laughs> 
No, no, no. He's in a freezer box. <laughs> he's in frozen in carbonite yeah. now. <laughs> Ever since they acquired Lucasfilm, they transfer they transferred him to carbonite. It was just more efficient that just, way. Stop slapping my leg. Yeah, That's real, gonna go. real, real audio cancer right there. <laughs> audio can Look at that on the yeah. When I normal when I normalize it all, it's gonna make it all. It's fine. Oh though. shit! Just can you snip it before you normalize? Yeah. It? I can. Oh, okay. Just, Sorry. I'm just gonna keep. Effort. I'm gonna quit making your job harder. <laughs> Doubt, but <okay. laughs> what uh, what else is on that on that list there? Point. Okay, cool. So last week I brought up dark transfer that can heal a target within reach. Uh, it's a dark side force power. It has a special ability where each time you use it, uh, you move down one persistent step on the condition track, and you got a he- uh, rest for eight hours. Um. Oh, and you can spend a force point to actually avoid moving down the condition track in this Radical. way. That, that's pretty nice. Uh, someone also brought up dark healing, uh, which I think I might have gotten my wires crossed last week a little bit. Dark healing is the one where you can actually like kind of vampire sap uh, targets. Uh, dark healing is a talent, um, mm-hmm. not a force power. Yeah. And I believe there's a couple other talents that improve it. Like, I, I think there's one that I I've think used... there's literally improved dark healing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I know you can like expand it to like a certain area, maybe like mm, a little multi-target force. Yeah. Some, oh, yeah. Shit like that can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, second wind above half HP. There's there's actually a feat for that. A vitality surge. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So what what we were talking about as a house rule last week is actually starting the game, baby. Just it's in game, but it costs feat. a feat. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas potentially you could for just erase that feat from existence and just call it a house rule if yeah. you really wanted to. If you really wanted to. If you're to. looking for a more casual, like the players are stronger than the average non heroic character and stuff like that, which they are. Absolutely. Um, people want us to talk about the condition track a little bit more since it's so important in healing. Um, gosh, I feel like we, I want to do, I want to give the condition track its own little section just cause it's so cool and important. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff relating, relating to the condition track. Yeah, absolutely. And I think personally, my favorite part about it, we can just go over like just general. Yeah. I, what I personally like about it compared to other systems is that it scales really well as you go lower on the condition track. There's minus one step. Minus one to all your checks and everything like that. Minus two step. Minus two to all your checks and everything like that. Minus three is minus five, and then minus four is minus ten to yeah. all your checks. And then minus five is helpless. So you're unconscious. Yeah. No, the condition track is by far. When we talk about our favorite things about Saga Edition, condition track is way up there for me. I wish more RPGs had the condition track or something like it. Two things I would carry over from Swissy to other systems. Condition track and skill focus and skill training. Yeah. Because I like those... Compared to other systems where, like, skill focus isn't really a thing, yeah. you just kind of get better at training, but you don't, like, focus in a skill. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I like that more. I, th- I'm sh- I think it's the same in 3.5, yeah. actually. But I, I really enjoy that in Saga Edition. Absolutely. Um, let's see. What's what's to say about the condition track that we haven't already? Um, don't underestimate the condition track. Yes. Um, if, if an enemy bonks you down the condition track, your life is already very hard. Um, of course that's, and whenever you receive damage that exceeds your damage threshold, your character moves down one step on the condition track. And there's things that deal, I'm pretty sure there's things that deal damage to like your fortitude versus your fortitude DC and then move you down the condition track if you're, if you, if it succeeds or something like that, or am I thinking something else? I'm not sure about that. I know there's quite a bit of things that can move you down the condition track besides just outright Is taking stun, damage. Stun damage does... Oh, yeah. So if you take stun damage in excess of your damage threshold, you move down yes, two steps on the condition yes. track. So And that's nasty. I believe we had a very uh, we had a situation where my clone trooper uh, heroic character has... He's got high reflex, right? Yeah. High reflex, uh, really good health pool for a soldier class. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
condition track, like oh, I think it was stun netting and stuff like that, yeah. really took him down super quickly. And I, you, you got to acknowledge the condition track. I mean, three swift actions to move up, that can be spread over three turns. Yes. But still, it's a lot. It's action economy. It's eating up your action economy, which, as we know, is damn precious. If you know anything about tabletop games, action economy is where it's at. Yes. That is just ultimately the the core of the combat situation. And maybe this is something we can cover in a different episode, but there's the legendary build, uh, the condition track killer. Oh, oh! Do you know about I've, this? I've, it's not a story the Jedi would tell me. I'm not familiar, actually. <laughs> yeah, um, one of uh, there, there's a post. It's on the Saga Continues forums. I think has the the probably the best compendium the I've seen text. of this bill. Yes, the ancient texts. Um, yeah, there's a pretty pretty. It's not hard to find. Anyone can go look this up. But it's a very nasty, sick combination of a um, a build that can very swiftly move targets down the condition track. All the way down to the bottom and probably one or two attacks. The specifics escape me at the moment, but um, you remember our friend played that Mandalorian, Babu mm-hmm. Ram. Yeah. That was a kind of a, a similar dealio. I think he, he would snipe out characters down the condition track like two or three steps, one yes. attack. Yes, yes. Which is so cool. It was nuts and it's cool and that helpful. sniper builds can do that. Yes. And I, that it just gives way more... The condition track adds more versatility to combat other than just flat-out damage output. Absolutely, and just the a realistic and kind of intuitive emulation of enemies getting weaker as you hurt them, and, you know, you getting weaker, your character getting weaker as you're damaged. It's great. I always thought that, like, the goblin with one HP left should be, like, struggling to swing his little goblin sword. Um, and I'm not certain if D&D or even Pathfinder has... Well, Pathfinder has all those lovely conditions. But, D&D um, really kind of has sort of like the video game yeah. thing where if you have one hit point, you're kind of good fighting. Yeah. Whereas I'm pre- in second edition, if you're unconscious and you gain a hit point, do you go to negative five on the condition track? Oh gosh, or yes, I think so. You go, to, gonna... you go to negative, you go to minus four, which is negative ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, I, I always try really to, quick. let's check really quick. Yeah, let's check really quick because that's actually, if we don't, if we don't look like we know what happens at zero HP in Saga, then they're going to take us off the air by God, by Jove. I got snipers trained on both of us. Yeah. If we say something, if you say one thing wrong with 100% certainty, they kill us on sight. It's it's very high stakes. This is actually the third Steven I've gone through this month. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> that's really funny. Oh yeah, here we go. A character or creature that receives any kind of healing while unconscious immediately revives and can get up to fight again, but starts prone. The healed character or creature has a number of hit points equal to the amount of healing it received, and it moves up one step on the condition track. So if you're unconscious. Your buddy manages to heal you, you get those hit points, and you just go up to the minus 10 step, and you know well, you are far from out of the woods at that point. Yeah. Uh, You're minus... also at a half speed as well. That's a little a little quirk of, of that condition track step that I always forget. Minus 10, you probably have maybe 30 hit points. That's a good healer. Yeah. <laughs> a half speed, and you start prone. One action to stand up, and then three swift actions to move up the condition track. If yeah. anything... I think the better move for players is to just pretend to be dead uh, yeah. t- and just use your turn to gain, uh, to go up the condition track and get back think, to negative one. And I think that's what I've seen most players do is kind of play dead, just spam recover prone. actions. Yeah, just stay prone <laughs> and recover. Yeah. Do, do sw- the swift actions to recover, do those like have any sort of, I always, always pictured them as kind of just like taking deep breaths. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> Kind of like regaining yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, absolutely. They don't, I don't really. Think they have like 
somatic or verbal components. No, like no, stuff and, and, and you know, as we know, Swissy doesn't really have that system of of determining what an action means versus somatic and verbal components. But no, I, I don't think. I don't. I don't think I've encountered anything that triggers off of an enemy using a recover action. Would using a recover action trigger an attack of opportunity? I would think probably. Yeah. I would say yeah. that's. I mean, you're focused on what recovering. Yeah, you're not really engaged. Oh, you technically wouldn't be engaged with that enemy anyway because you just got up. But yeah. If you're in a threatened square and you did that, I think you would. I think I, I would feel pretty comfortable provoking attack of opportunity off of that, and it, it's cruel for sure. But <laughs> like, I mean, it's cruel. <laughs> we agreed, and pretty much everyone agrees. First aid totally would provoke an attack of opportunity. Absolutely. Maybe recover should too, man. Like, yeah, it's just... I'd love to hear what more people say about that. But I would probably proc an attack of opportunity off of a recover action. Swift action. I, oh. that's that's rough that's rough mm-hmm. uh, i don't know i mean because you have to use a standard to distance to withdraw right or move to withdraw. a move to withdraw yeah move to withdraw that's half then, speed as long as your first square gets yeah. you out of the threatened square that's so rough that one's rough also <laughs> i love uh, if you can get i think i've gotten you in a corner a few times where Absolutely. you were unable to withdraw and that's scary when you're unable to withdraw against a large creature or anything with reach yeah it's rough mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so well that's why re- reach is so strong in this system with and, stuff like whirlwind attack, where you attack oh, all squares within your reach, a ra- like oh. fucking get a rancor with whirlwind attack. I don't know why it would have that, but it's just a cool concept. So it's cool. something crazy because a large creature has two squares of reach, so it's maybe what like twelve squares, like total of like da- of the twelve damaging squares. I think so. I'm not around there. Yeah, it's close. It's more than it's more than fucking eight. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> oh man, this We're, stuff's so crazy. Uh, one last thing from from last week. We we mentioned attacks opportunities are reactions. I thought they were this whole time. They're not. They're not. They're j- their own thing. Oh, okay. they don't have an associated action whatsoever. They don't count as a reaction or anything. No, they do not wow. eat up one of your reactions. They straight up just are a thing. There's probably a more elegant term for exactly what they are. A character feature, maybe, but no, but they're think... not reactions. I gotta look that. I please look do, please do. I I was pointed out to me this week, and I did not believe it when I when I heard it. But it is true. They are, there's no mention of reactions on that page at all. You know what? I it was um, I was thinking return fire. So return uh, fire lets you shoot back as a reaction. Yes, yes, and it's yes. not an attack of opportunity it's per not. se. Yeah, but it functions very similarly to one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that would be an example of you know just a normal attack triggered by a reaction. But an attack of opportunity itself, you know, as we talked about before with, you know, moving out of a threatened square, doing something that distracts you, um, that is not a reaction. That's so wild. Yeah, but you, you still only take one per turn. Yeah, one it's round. only one attack of opportunity per turn unless you have combat reflexes. Um, but yeah, That's not so... a reaction. It's just its wow. own thingy. That's I did not know that. Well, yeah. you learn something new about the system. Absolutely. I've learned I... something new about the system every goddamn week, let me tell you. <laughs> Um, oh, and I was also confused last week about, um, I, I crossed wires again with opponent square versus threatened square. Yes. Opponent square, of course, is the square in which the enemy stands. Yeah. Threatened square is all the squares within the, the reach. Within the reach, yeah. yeah. What was the context for, the, was it something about moving through an opponent's square? Yeah, yeah, it was one of the listed things that can trigger an attack of opportunity was moving through an opponent's square, and I was like, oh, what does this mean? But, um, Kermit, hello. Um... <laughs> Someone pointed out to me, little literalist again, I believe, uh, was like, "Oh yeah, that's the square they're standing." And I'm like, "Yeah, that, that makes sense." When you uh, when it gets pointed out to you, you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Duh, that obviously. was that was something that I've racked my brain around for like the better part of a year, and mm-hmm. turns out simple as hell. 
So what if an opponent doesn't have a weapon they can perform an attack of opportunity with? Then they can't take an attack of opportunity. Okay, so they no. don't they don't threaten squares really. That, yeah, I think that's yeah yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, that's a good cool. way to think of it. I mean, yeah. yeah. So you mean if they have like a rifle without a folded stock yeah, or something, exactly. or like a or like a rocket launcher? Yeah. Um. Yeah. But all, all melee weapons threaten. All um, melee weapons, all natural weapons. Um. Rifles, folded stocks, and pistols. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I haven't thought about that, but that's interesting. Yeah. It's easy to forget because you see the squares, you see the little guys on the grid, and you're like, "Oh well, talk about opportunity, go ahead." Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't like that voice. It sounds like um, very, very uh, what's the word? Like, what what is the the Moncala, a very Moncala sounding voice? Oh, like the like Mon oh. Calamarian, Calamarian, Calamar? Uh, Mon Mon Calamarian. Yeah. Yeah, because it's Calamarian. Yeah, it's Calamarian because yeah. George Lucas is a hack. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. No, I, I I love Admiral Akbar. Absolutely. Hey. Can't repel firepower of that magnitude. That's <laughs> oh, so good. When I'm GMing, I'm bringing Admiral Akbar into the situation, like regardless of what it is. What? What? No matter if he's even alive. No matter if he's like, I don't care not. about the timeline. I think my favorite Admiral Akbar uh, Easter egg is what I'm going to call it. Mm. Is the the famed Admiral Snack Bar. Oh, the the old yeah yeah. I stole that from a robot chicken bit. I'm dead serious. No, like people should go look this up. Like you've probably already seen it, but goddamn, look up. Yeah, I think it was called Admiral Snack Bar and Robot Chicken. But yeah, ultimately it leads up to the bit. Uh, Our taste buds can't repel flavor of that magnitude, and like that's that's, right. that's stuck with me for so long. Like that that's that shit's so the best. Um. Okay, so did you want to go over a few more of, of so-called newbie questions? Yeah, let's get let's get to them. Are we, those the ones that you have on the document? Yeah, I've got them right here in, right, in our pull it up in our show notes. Our show notes. We're schmoving for these notes. I think we're we're we finished talking about attack of opportunity last week. I believe that's what we left off on. Um, we can talk about skill challenges, and this is going to be a big kind of broad topic with a lot of community input i think and i know you have a lot of experience with skill challenges as well um i also got some input from some of our friends on this as well uh so plenty to discuss here skill challenges are kind of a open way of playing the game and so it's only appropriate i think that we have a very kind of open-ended discussion about them um i do want to read um champion corn's email uh, the question, yeah, the yeah, question yeah, from yeah, the email because it. it, it's. I just, I like how he frame, he phrases some of these. How do you make these more interesting than one roll of the dice? This is a more general TTRPG question that I've struggled with. I want my players to feel like they've picked useful skills, so I throw in challenges for them, but they hardly ever consist of more than one roll. Am I just unimaginative and need to read more? Well, Nate, to answer your question, yes. You were, this is the least original thing I've ever heard. You need to read a lot more. No, Nate, I'm I'm kidding, of course. This is the biggest thing I think every like burgeoning game master and by burgeoning I mean, you know, first five years of the hobby I think struggles you, with. I think skill challenges are something that you need to think of in the context of the Star Wars. Just like in actual movies and TV shows, there are apparent skill challenges that take place in the series. Constantly. And if that's cool. And once you understand that and you can recognize those in those situations, you can figure out how to adapt that into your own sort of um, game. Yeah. And with skill challenges, so, all right, there are a few kinds of DMs, right? There's DMs that are like, yeah. make a persuasion roll or make a perception check. Mm -hmm. When there's also DMs, all right, okay, 
Let's generalize worded, and categorize I worded, our yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I worded that a little weirdly. No. There are DMs that tell you to make an investigation check to do something, right? Yeah, yeah. But I prefer... Like my style of DMing is the players... I tell, ask the players, what do you want to do as a player? Yeah. And the player says, I want to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, here's the corresponding skill mm-hmm. to roll for that. Yes. And then if they feel that that's not the case or they feel they want to make an argument for something else, I let them go. I let them do so. Of course. I'm not a big fan of like, okay, uh, you're doing, you, I, I don't want players to be like, can I make a piloting check? I can think of this better in D&D terms than I can think of it in SAG edition terms. Yeah, go I ahead. just remember the skills better. Of course. I don't want players to be like, can I make an arcana check to understand this or to understand these rules? And it's like, I want you to think of this as, in universe, what would you do to do this rather than what dice can I roll to get me the best number? You're right. And, you know, the, your, the approach you're describing, the encouraging players to describe what they want to do in character, that's going to be ultimately, I think, a more narrative-focused, immersive role-playing experience less rote and gamey than just, you know, spitting at what skill I want to roll on the die. Um, I think there's a time for both, ultimately, Absolutely. especially when you get into the nitty-gritty, like, system-heavy stuff that, that you get in Swissy sometimes. I think in combat, I'm not going to make you tell me no, exactly what no. you want to do to slice into a door or whatever. Like, yeah. just roll the use computer check. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Absolutely. It's the, no no single approach, I think, is going to fit every every situation. But, um... Yeah, Nate and Sam, you know this well. Game mastering is a skill that's honed over time. And it Absolutely. needs regular practice, just like any other skill. Um, and there's nothing wrong with doing it wrong. No, of course. It's a and learning you know, experience for everyone. As long as you make it clear to players and to everyone else involved that you're here to have a good time. And if at the end of the day you're like, that wasn't really a good time, then you just talk about what you need to do to better the experience for next time. Of course. And, you know, this is something I, I drive home all the time. There's no Reddit post you can read. There's no wiki page you can read that's just going to make you a good game master. There's nothing out there that will Cinderella transform you into a good game master. Except for those exclusive videos we're going to be posting on our Patreon where Steven talks about exactly what it takes to be a good game master. (laughs) I'm kidding. Uh, Even, all right, listen, there's YouTube videos and everything about how to be a good DM and stuff like that. But nothing is better than just doing. Yeah, just playing, just learning for yourself. What works and what doesn't. And if you think, oh, these guys of DM, they they sound like they know what they're doing and stuff like that. I've had pretty bad sessions in the past. Oh, yeah. I think my worst session of all time was 12 hours long. And that is a skill that, as a DM, you should understand when your players don't want to play anymore. And Yes, Steven's looking away. Did you really run a session? You were in that. (laughs) When was this? Oh, no, this was right before you were in that. This is my fifth edition. I ran a fifth edition game with our friends. And it went from 4 p.m. to 4 in the morning. And I didn't realize it was 4 in the morning until someone said, I'm tired. And I'm like, huh, it's 4 in the morning. So a good skill for DMs to have, time management. <laughs> yeah, no, probably above all, it one was of the not, most important. I had a good time. Or I felt like everyone had a good time. But yeah, of until course. you realize afterwards, like, these people are suffering. <laughs> they don't want to play anymore. Just be done with it. It's okay. <laughs> it, I know that you want to have a lot of exposition or everything and stuff like that. Just... Cut it into pieces. Cut it into chunks. There's nothing wrong about talking about exposition not at the table. Of course. You can send a big message or a cool document with a letter or something like that or a hollow message and stuff like that. It doesn't have to be at the table in person. Here's two hours of... here. I'm reading you the whole opening crawl for <laughs> Star Wars. All six, all nine of them uh, to, to get you up to get up to date. No. <laughs> God, no. But, uh, but yeah, more so, I guess, specifically about skill challenges. What you're talking about is like, you know, 
narration and you know that's that skill challenges baby that's that's all it is um as far as the best advice i can give with skill challenges is just build skill encounters that feel challenging and you know perhaps are challenging but are subtly tailored to your players skill sets you want to make them feel badass you want to make them feel challenged, but you want to make them feel badass. I think about your podcast, uh, or pod podcast. <laughs> I think about my podcast a lot as your, well. It, your pod race skill challenge. <laughs> wow, that was a that was a bluesy. Um, I my character was the pilot of the party. Um, he was statted out to succeed in this pod race, no matter what. But because of the scene you set, you know, I was up against Sabolba. <laughs> It was like out of retirement, Sabolba. Yeah. He's got like a cybernetic eye for some reason. Oh, I, it, love that. I, I just love it. It was, it was so great. It was a dark it was a dark time seven BBY yeah. setting. So this is like maybe Punished twenty years. Sebulba. Yeah, twenty years after <laughs> after Sebulba loses to Anakin. I I just thought it was funny. I that was an interesting thing to do. And yeah, the the scene you set, the situation you put us in made it feel like it was gonna be a challenge. Even though I knew, like, mathematically, with the DCs you would likely be throwing at us, it was probably going to be just fine. But the context was kind of the key there to making that feel like a challenging skill encounter. Now, there is a dark side to this approach. If you only present your players with skill challenges that are well within their wheelhouse, they're not going to feel challenged after a few of those, right? If they subconsciously or consciously understand that you're only going to throw things at them that they're prepared for, they're going to get comfortable. And there's a difference between players gearing up for certain situations to go their way and DMs only giving players good scenarios that will go out in their favor. Yes. I understand it's collaborative storytelling, and we want the players to have a good time and succeed. But is it boring storytelling? <laughs> Honestly, like, I, I think about... Uh, the, the Death Star escape with Princess Leia is a very good example of a skill challenge. Yes. Going from uh, sneaking up on stormtroopers, passing off as a stormtrooper, yeah. lying about Chewbacca being your prisoner, and going to free, stealthing around to turn off the tractor beam, yep. and then freeing the princess and using checks to get out of just the trash compactor alone yeah. as a hazard in the game already yeah. and stuff like that. I, I just, skill challenges are so versatile in that way, and they don't have to. They don't have to be geared towards specific characters in order to be fun and challenging. Yeah, they absolutely. Can just be, they can just be skill challenges. They they're called skill challenges for a reason. They're not called skill fucking hold my hand, yeah. railroad me, walk <laughs> me through this like a jaunt in the park. No. And, you know, people might be wondering, well, how can I do that on the fly at the table? Because obviously we can, right now, you and me in this room can think of billions of scenarios that would make great skill challenges. But as we know, you know, when you got your players looking at you at the table and you're sweating, it can be hard to just dream something up. So luckily, Swissy has some things to guide us, which is actually usually not the case in this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually they just throw you into it and say, go, go play in the park, son. Uh, Galaxy of Intrigue has skill DC tables. This is kind of something that's a lot more popular in what I've seen in, in modern systems. I didn't even know Saga Edition had DC tables until, gosh, probably a, about a year ago or so. They have a set of DCs that are appropriate for a given character's level. And then if you want that challenge to be easy, hard, super hard, much harder, I think like heroic is the, mm -hmm. or maybe legendary. No, heroic is like the hardest difficulty here. So when your player tells you what they want to do, 
and you have an idea of what skill it should be, but maybe not the DC. Well, baby, pull up that DC chart right there on your laptop, or maybe have a nice sticky note that runs down the just the maybe very you got bare a numbers. Fully custom uh, DM screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, throw that DC at them. I mean, it's seamless. It's a no-brainer. I think. Um, what I hear, I listen to a lot of like tabletop podcasts. Yeah. And stuff like that. And what I hear a lot is they'll be like, all right, go ahead and roll. And then the player rolls like 17. And mm-hmm. then no matter what the situation is, if it's over like a 15, the DM's usually like, that works. And I'm just like, all right. <laughs> but you're not scaling properly with how your players are level-wise. Or anything no, like that. and I think that might be an advent of just like the kinds of shows you're talking about. Like, I, I think 5th edition plays a lot into that. Yeah, though. absolutely. And... um. This actually reminds me of a few things. Um, so, you know, be fast and loose with, with DCs. Maybe not as loose as you're describing, you know. Definitely bump those numbers up a little bit. But if a player has a particularly good idea or a particularly creative application of a skill, lower that DC. Don't tell them you did that. You know, keep that yeah, behind the GM absolutely. screen. But if you like what they're doing, if you want to reward their play style, their creativity, absolutely knock that shit down a couple. Um, if you maybe want them to be conscious of your appreciation of, of their creative storytelling efforts, Swissy has favorable and unfavorable circumstances. I love that. And I love those. Yeah. And a whole lot of words to say, give your players plus two for a good idea or give your players minus two for a maybe outlandish a and idea. particularly challenging application of, of a skill. And there's also stuff like computers being hostile absolutely like that the system has no shortage of things to modify dcs and when you're running a skill challenge hell take advantage of that and this brings me to probably my my ultimate point here the last thing you should say upon a player failing a skill check is just be oh it doesn't work don't say that they should have it should have either mixed success or consequences yeah every failure and every success should modify the skill challenge it should change the variables the players are working with in a way that, you know, changes the course of the story. And ultimately, events the players do should progress the story in some way. Absolutely. I, I don't want players to be waiting at a at a door for 30 minutes because no. they can't open it. No. Let's say they fail twice on a use computer check to slice open the door. Who comes in through the other hallway? Stormtroopers. Yeah, absolutely. And now the, the, the clock is ticking. Now you have more pressure on the players and they're not spending half an hour deciding who should roll to... To open the door. Remember that your player's most valuable resource at most of the time is going to be time itself. Absolutely. Skill checks may feel like, you know, they have no cost unless they require some sort of material component. But your players are burning time. And uh, if they aren't working against time, what the hell kind of story are you telling? <laughs> like, they, this should be a cinematic, heroic tale where things are pretty much always down to the wire. That's how Star Wars is, baby. Think about both Death Star explosions. <laughs> I think about it this your players give you two, three hours of their time. Yeah. And that time is time they could spend doing anything else. Yes. Never run a game where your players would rather be doing something else. Mm-hmm. I have uh and and it could come down to players' interest as well. Yeah. But I've had games where I literally had a, a guy take his laptop out and play League of Legends during a combat. Oh. And, yeah, oh, I know, right? Nasty. That is, I, I, and part of it was, you know, uh, TTRPGs just weren't for him. Yeah. And the other part of it was I was running, like, a like a six, like a five-player combat for a system I didn't, I've only DMs maybe four times prior. Man. And uh, it's just, 
know your limits and understand that your player's time and your time is the most important resource. Like, if the joy is not equivalent or greater than the time you're putting into it, it's not worth doing. No, it's and not. And maybe you need to take a break from playing or DMing or something like that. Just have a good time. Just, yeah, of course. Ultimately, what it comes down to is you guys get together, maybe you get pizza, you have a good time. Yeah. That's what I. That's what it's about. I, I saw some sort of, like, clickbait headline once or something that was like, <laughs> RPG night is the poker night of Gen Zers and Millennials. And I'm like... <laughs> Oh my god, what an insane, like, just completely reductive thing to say. But there is a kernel of truth in that silly little shitty headline, and that this is a social event. Yeah. This is a time to have a good time, and I, god, we started on skill challenges, and now we're talking the more broadly, but it's a big part of it. I mean, if your skill monkey is always trying, and let's say in a properly balanced campaign, no matter what system, they're going to be failing about half the time. Mm-hmm. If every time they fail, you say, doesn't work. They'd rather not try at They'd all. They'd rather not try at all. Exactly. And I've seen this happen before. I've made this mistake a billion times. Yeah. It doesn't work is the most discouraging thing a player, especially a newer player, can hear in the game. So when you're wondering about skill challenges, divide them up into parts, like we talked about the Death Star escape. Let's go Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan probably had to make a perception check to figure out which way to go to get to the... Uh, and a stealth check. Yeah, and track beam control. And a stealth check. Maybe when he arrived at the tractor beam controls, a knowledge check to figure out exactly which lever he had to pull to get that good. I love that sound effect. It's As a so kid, good. I would watch A New Hope just for that sound effect. <laughs> and turn it off immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care about the rest of it. I just want that. It's all right to my veins, baby. <laughs> but yeah, and then, you know, so think real hard about the movies and how you can divide divide a problem up into distinct skill checks. And then, for the love of God, a failure should still move us forward. Whatever you got to do, whatever you got to say, whatever stormtrooper pops around the corner, it's a failure has to advance things forward. It will never, it should never be just a brick wall. DMing is a balancing act for sure. It's Always. a balancing act between challenging your players and progressing the story. Yes. Because I could easily run a game where it's a Jedi NPC and the rest of the players and the players are just along for the ride. Yeah. And some players might be into that, but. I guarantee, unless your players are sheeple, literal yeah. <laughs> fucking sheeple, they will be fine having a little challenge thrown at them every once in a while. Absolutely. Um, yeah, avoid all or nothing rolls, I think is what I was trying to say earlier. You should never have so much hinging on a single dice roll, because I don't know how much statistics you all know out there. Odds are <laughs> they're going to get the nothing if it's all or nothing. I what, what, That's what I like about skill challenges is because a lot of them at, uh, account for failure. They yes. account for up to three failures or sometimes even five, yeah. depending on the skill challenge. And I'm sure you could change, you could, as a DM, you could skew that number however you like as long as yeah. it progresses the story forward. And I think uh, for more help on this from official sources, I think Galaxy of Intrigue and Galaxy at War both have additional uh, information about how to bring skill challenges into your encounters. There's things like victory points in Galaxy at War, which how they work in Pathfinder, kind of a more abstract way of building skill challenges together to achieve a more ultimate goal. I think Galaxy of Intrigue has um, introduces things like complications and stuff like that that can further modify the outcome of a skill challenge. But yeah, um, that's really all my words on skill challenges. I, I, do you have any more to say about skill challenges? 
Not really. I mean, that was a good conversation. I think I next think. time you, next time you, the listener, <laughs> listen or watch anything Star Wars related, mm-hmm. think about how that could be broken down into a yeah. Channel. View it through the Swissy lens. I do this unconsciously, and you know it. <laughs> it sucks a little sometimes when I'm just trying to sit back and enjoy a movie. But hey, you know it's As- inspiration, especially the Mandalorian. There are so many episodes of the Mandalorian where I'm like, that's a full Swissy party. And also, like, session right there. The secret of every Mandalorian episode, and maybe it's not a big secret because this is a Star Wars storytelling system, but every episode of The Mandalorian is a Swissy, like, adventure module. Yeah, like, absolutely. absolutely. You, you, could, could, you could rewrite any of, any episode, any any single one as a, as a so Swissy good. adventure. It's so good. And I think that speaks, I think that says great things both about Saga Edition and the people behind Mandalorian. Um, good stuff all around. Sam, I was elated to see that we have our first patron on Patreon. Never did I think I would produce something of substantial creativity and worth that it would warrant a patron. But baby, we made it. Here we are. You know what, Mom? I'm not coming home for the holidays. I'm going straight to Bermuda, baby, with uh, with those Patreon dollars. My All man. five of them. All five of them. One for every girl on my arm. <laughs> no, but for real, we are um, immensely grateful. Uh, shout out to Ashkatonia um, as our very first patron. Uh, as we've discussed before, the Patreon is definitely functioning right now as more of a tip jar. Um, if we get a couple more people on there, that covers our podcasting hosting costs, at least right now yeah um and uh, gosh if if that happened that would make me uh, elated giddy if if this ever got to a point where you know i like to think i value my time yeah people other people in my life would say no but (laughs) i like to think i value my time and i know steven and i were talking about possible rewards for patrons and stuff like that yeah if it got to a point we might do like a discord server yeah or and also maybe like Honestly, a Patreon tier idea. I'm throwing this out here on the air. Okay, yeah. We run a, I run, run a session, run a one shot for patrons. That that would be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. I. It have to be a high tier though. It wouldn't be the the basic intro tier. Yeah, I wouldn't want to run one every month or anything like that. Yeah, no, nothing like um, that. That could be a, a, as a very limited, very uh, uh, nice. Just something to think about. Yeah, yeah that's, no, that's... if you're interested, listeners, then hit up on that patreon yeah and another thing i've thought of if the patreon you know takes off we get a few more people on there i have plenty of of writing i can publish on there um mostly little adventures i've ran some stat blocks got some great maps yeah you've made great maps i've I've made some cool maps i've got a handful of maps i've been thinking about there's a um so an old west end games adventure called starfall someone built for saga edition they they converted all the dcs and everything and it's really cool I've wanted to do a map series for that for quite some time, and you know that's something I could totally see going on the Patreon. So, if that sounds good to you, if you like what we're doing, hey, pay a visit to that Patreon. If that's not what you want and you want something else entirely, let us know. Yeah, please, please. If I, you have, yeah, if ultimately it ends up with you, listener slash Patreon patron, being happy, that's fine by me. Like, yeah, I'll, please. If you don't like, I mean, I put some a lot of effort into my maps i think they're pretty cool you got some pretty good maps man <laughs> i've done some pretty cool maps i'm gonna put them on i'll put them on there um probably after this episode goes up and we'll we'll, we'll go on from there yeah but as always you guys can check us out on the, at the patreons dark times swse there's also the twitter dark times swse we've got the email dark times swse at gmail.com i'm never gonna get tired of saying dark times swse <laughs> you're really good at it you know you rattle through the whole thing you know like what, a you professional. say that but first episode i said 
Dark Times W S S E. And I had to go through and like move the letters around. No way. I, you didn't catch it. I no, didn't catch I it. I didn't catch it. But I heard it when I said it. And I was like, what? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I, 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 that perfect uh, Adobe magic that I switched two letters around perfectly. Thank God for Adobe, right? I know, right? I honestly, this podcast would not happen at all without. Um, I mean, Audacity was fine, but it probably wouldn't be a weekly podcast. It'd be like maybe twice monthly podcast. <laughs> well, it's a good thing we uh, legally purchase those Adobe products and pay the full price on the Adobe website. As everyone for them. should, as it's everyone the should. right thing to do. Absolutely, never. You wouldn't pirate a car. You wouldn't download a car. Yeah, you wouldn't download an Adobe. No, never. All right, we're back into it. We've got. The next thing on Earth, uh, normally we would have a build, but since this is more of a newbie episode, yeah. like the last episode was, yeah. we figured we'd forego the build, and instead we talked about all the revisions to our last episode, Yep, and we're just going to go into what's next on our list, which I believe is droids. Yes, indeed. And another thing from Champion Corn. Champion Corn? Is that what it was? Yeah, this is Nate. This is Champion Nate Corn. Champion Corn. Yeah. He says, how do you not just buy everything? What stops <laughs> you from just buying everything you could ever want and throwing it all in one droid? Wait? Mod space? Can't you just upgrade the droid in those areas? Is this how the first Death? Is this how the Death Star came about? Thank you, Nate. I love, I love that. that little bit at the end. I didn't end even there, read it. Yeah, yeah it was great. Um, um, yeah. So remember, Nate. Just a, a quick reminder that comes to mind when I read your email here. Um, as the game master, no matter what anyone says, you are in control. You are in charge of what gear any player can get. If the player wants the big dick smasher for their their fifth degree droid. <laughs> Guess what? It's your (laughs) Oh, that's awful. Guess what? That's your call. It doesn't matter what the book says. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they read on the Saga Continues or on Reddit. It's your call. If someone wants to make a crazy OP droid, very easy to do. You are the last bastion of defense there. We're counting on you on the front lines to keep your players from going power hungry and crazy with power with their droids. Yes. So um, how do you not just buy everything? Well, because, Nate, it's your job to make sure they don't. <laughs> I, As much as, you know, you the thing with droids and a lot of stuff in Star Wars, especially in certain eras of the game, mm-hmm. there's licensing. Yes. And we talked about this a little bit previously with ships and stuff. Yes. But droids also require licensing or ownership. The availability like rules absolutely apply explicitly to droid modifications. It's right there on their specific tables and stat block. I think that, but however, okay, you've got characters with a lot of money. Yeah. Whatever like that. Now, going wealth out talent. and... Wealth talent. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Going out and just straight buying the droid is never as fun as, let's say, the owner needs a job done. Yeah. Or the licensor is corrupt and wants something else in return for giving you the license to the droid. It's Absolutely. always the best thing is when players want stuff. Cause then you can make them work for it. Story hooks, story hooks, exactly. story hooks, using story hooks to get your players to go with the story. If it promises them their Chrome upgrade for their droid. Absolutely. So be sure to apply the availability rules as they're meant to be in game when it comes to droid modifications and Absolutely. Every single opportunity your players want to buy equipment, especially droid parts, especially like exotic military grade droid parts, storytelling opportunity, at least one side quest, man. Come on. Storytelling opportunity or Malcolm Drive for all their worth. Let's say, you know, what? give me a like a droid locomotion system, magnet boots or yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure. Like, uh, what, 2,000 credits, I mm-hmm. think? Yeah. Around there. Mm-hmm. Make it 20,000. Yeah, sure. If they can afford it. 
and they want to pay that much for that? Yeah. Let them do it. Sucker like, them, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay, now you need a way to get more money, and that's my story hook there. Like, yeah. If, if what you could do, ultimately your players are going to want to, one, try and persuade someone into selling them something that they, they can't get. Yes. Or two, intimidate someone into selling them something they can't get. Yeah. And All of which can attract the attention of planetary authorities. Maybe not go. necessarily the Empire, maybe Corsac, you know, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I there's definitely a lot of different ways to go about it. And I know some DMS prefer shopping to be sort of like off the table sort of thing. Yeah. 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 And I think it really depends. It does. Absolutely. You can't do it for every equipment. Something. Absolutely not. Some, I think general equipment, I'd probably do like off the table. Like, yeah. You know, just buy like general common or maybe even licensed and Med below. Packs. Yeah. Like pistols, ammunition, but, but probably like droids, vehicles, weapons. Yeah. Uh, exotic weapons, exotic probably. weapons, especially uh, definitely require a cool NPC. I think my favorite of which is, Two gonk droids stacked on top of each other with a trench coat. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. That is right. That was that was an NPC I had. That was just two gonk droids, one <laughs> standing atop the other. You don't know. The how top one was stuck. Yeah, you don't know how he got. We up never there. revealed how he got up there. <laughs> and that's another thing is memorable NPCs create sort of like a hub area of for course. players to go back to. Anything like that. I had that one NPC, uh, Marmar. He was. Meant to be just kind of the flashy, sketchy, used car salesman of the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. And he ended up being, like, the kingpin of, like, several major story moments. Like, <laughs> his presence and the party's relationship to this rando NPC ended up driving probably the latter half of the campaign. And that's cool. That's like, There's nothing good. wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, I, I like to think of if a player, let's say players do something for a quest mm -hmm. and their reward is yeah sure there's a credit reward yeah. but also become, they become familiarized with an npc who might be more playful down the line or more 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 used down the line yeah let's say they need uh to soup up their hyperdrive and there's only one there's only one mechanic in the sector who can do it yeah turns out that was the guy they just saved his kid and droid from from like pirates or something like that. Exactly. And it's just cool to tie in those moments. It makes the world feel more like lived in totally if you can tie almost or maybe even every encounter your players have skill challenge combat encounter or otherwise to the broader narrative world you're building well great golly gee you're gonna have a great time <laughs> that's gonna make your world feel incredible they're gonna really be feeling the star wars um there's one other check for droid mods that i wanted to mention um encumbrance droids just like every other hero are subject to the encumbrance rules every droid modification has an associated weight you can't over-encumber your droid. Don't do that. That's going to be horrible. Like, that is another, in addition to, you know, creative storytelling and liberal application of the availability rules, literally just weight is another big check on droids. Um, honorable mention, though, there's a fifth-degree droid talent cargo hauler. You get a plus five to strength-based checks, and you double your carrying capacity. There we go. So you didn't hear it from me. But <laughs> but that cargo hauler is going to cost you, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, Nate, you, you asked us uh, about ship crits. You wrote, can you critically hit in a ship? Does a missile crit? Should it? Um, my answer is as following. Yes, yes, and yeah, baby. Uh, honestly, really cool. Nat 20... It's a great table moment. Everyone's going to get up and like, whoa, look at that, the Nat 20. There it is on the cool yeah. dice I just spat yeah. for 30 bucks. <laughs> I spent $30 on this die and it rolled me a Nat 20. Yeah! 
And it's like, oh, it's only five five d six instead of ten d six because the ships don't crit. No, just no. let them. Like, Absolutely. Let- and, and especially when some ship weapons get in the order of, like, 5d10 times 2 or times 5, yes. even, like... The first time a player uses, like, a ship battery, yeah. and, like, like how much damage is it? Yeah. 10d8? And it's just like, whoa! And it decimates, like, swath, swaths of the... Swaths? Swaths. We had this conversation already, swaths. Did we? I think swaths familiar. Swaths. Swaths of stormtroopers. You're, you're putting a V in there. There's no V in there. So swaths? you're saying swaths. It's swaths. 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 Swaths is my next Swissy character. Swaths. Swaths Ooh, yeah. Ooh. Like, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Swaths Irish. Good. <laughs> yeah, but ships can crit. And yeah, no, they crit like any other crit. weapon, baby. Um, and as you can probably already guess, as most of you probably know, you know, the numbers of space combat get really high really quick. And honestly, I love it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Just the best. And worth mentioning, Take care, especially at low levels with your space combat. Um, if you have all your players in fighters, in the little snub fighters, they one of them may just get blown out of the air with <laughs> with a successful crit or two from an enemy Thankfully, tie fighter. Thankfully, they can use a force point to not die. <laughs> yes, yes. Always remind them of that. But, you know, that's why many people recommend keep them on a freighter altogether at lower levels. Just because those things tend to be quite a bit more resistant. I, I always feel like... They have escape pods, too. That's <laughs> yeah, a big thing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like ship combat in this system is not meant to be head-to-head, like, I'm going to take down the Star Destroyer. No, no not al- at all. It's almost always escape or yeah. outmaneuvering. Yeah, and, you know, that's what we see in Star Wars. Absolutely, um, we see that all the time. Yeah, we, in, in Star Wars, the big, like, naval ship battles are literally set pieces in the background. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, we don't have too many scenes where characters are like, all right, everyone, uh, to your gunner stations. And then the two ships like drift next yeah. to each other in space and lob, you know, volleys back and forth. Anakin Skywalker, 10 years old, does not take, uh, take down a, what's it called? A Umber Hulk? Is that what it is? Oh, I think so. Lu- the, Luger Hulk? The yeah. Luger Hulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah. It. Anakin does not attack the Luger Hulk from no. the outside. He uses it as the setting to destroy the yes, inside. Yes, it is literally his surroundings in that scene. And I think... Same with Death Star 2. Exactly. Uh, Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, No, the Death Star 2 is, you know, no, yeah, you know, Lando doesn't roll a D20 and fly circles around the Death Star 2 to blow it up. He flies in there with Wedge, has to do crazy fucking pilot checks to avoid obstacles, (laughs) and then he can finally get in there, you know, Wedge fires his proton torpedoes and they make it out. Um, I believe this is emphasized pretty heavily in the Coral Rulebook, if not Starships of the Galaxy, but once you get past things bigger than a Carillion Corvette, Please, dear God, they are make it pieces. a set piece. Yeah, like we're talking, like on the sc- the scale of colossal frigate and above. By golly, these things are set pieces. These are environments all yeah. on their own. Yes, we do have stat blocks for full star destroyers. We do have stat blocks where you could, if you really wanted to, you know, basically start war gaming. We've done that before. It was fun, um, but ninety percent of the time, please, everyone's everyone wants you to do this. The Star Destroyer is a set piece. Anything bigger than a Corellian Corvette, so much, it's a set piece. Also, storytelling-wise, it's so much easier just to have your players infiltrate a Star Destroyer. Yeah, yeah. You take it out from the inside. Because otherwise, what, you're it. rolling 20 attacks or something yeah, every they turn? Yeah, literally so many different, like, ba- uh, batteries of, 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 like, weaponry and stuff. And it's just, yeah, uh, and all the, 
all the engineers and all the co- all the officers on the ship are going to give extra standard actions to the engineers. Yeah. We're going to bump the shields up. And no. it's cool that the system works in that way and allows it to make kind of sense yes. in that way. But those are not meant to be used. I mean, if you have cool stories about at actual times you've used actual starship stat blocks yes. and not just as set pieces, please tell us. And there are great things about those stat blocks. If you look towards the bottom of them, they have those aura effects where they forgo, forgo all those attacks and buff nearby squares or so disrupt cool. the enemy. That shit's cool. Capital and, ships, baby. Yeah. And guess what? That's a set piece thing. <laughs> like it, <laughs> exactly. It's sitting there statically providing a, a battlefield aura. That's exactly what it should be doing. You know, I don't really have the time in my day to roll every attack for a Star Destroyer. I don't think anyone wants to do that or should. Um, yeah, I, I guess that we started with do ships crit, and here we are. Ships crit, but ships and crit other yes. and other things. Um, but yeah, I want to emphasize one more time: take care with your players and snub fighters. Freighters are much more bulkier, can take a hit, are equipped with escape pods and all those good things. So um, yeah, yeah, snub fighters are great. For more like bombing runs, stuff yes, like that. Yes. Not really like I mean dogfights are cool, don't oh, get me really wrong. Cool. But dogfights surrounding capital ships are kinda rough. <laughs> Very rough. Although, you know, they, they can dodge the turbo lasers. They get that minus yeah. twenty to hit a, a, <laughs> a, a, a target ships, that yeah. small, yeah. <laughs> Great. Um yeah. We we can go on for on ship combat for a while. I would love to have our ship combat episode one day. So down here we got questions about capital ships too. Um I'll just go ahead and read this. What a coincidence, because we were yeah, just we were talking just talking about, about it. It's crazy. Um, should players ever have a capital ship? How would a player take one down if you're in freighters and starfighters? Are there deck plans, or do you just make it up? Would deck plans even matter? Also, go ahead and explain gun batteries and the different types of starship weapons for me. We'll see about that last one. Ba- batteries <laughs> are like batteries are something, man. They they are tough, and honestly. Outside the scope of most campaigns. Absolutely. Like, like if you don't understand batteries, you're probably fine. Yeah. You can probably play a whole 1 to 20 campaign without ever using a battery. Yeah. Um, Star Wars is more about the lightsabers clashing than it is about the ship batteries. It's, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, it's very true. Um, should players ever have a capital ship? Um, yeah, I think so. How they have the capital ship, what it means to have a capital ship is the key there. Should players have access to a capital ship? Yes. A capital ship makes an excellent hub. Like you 100%. About. Hub for getting players quests, going shopping, uh, stuff like if that. If your players are affiliated with the Rebel Alliance or maybe a organized crime syndicate, absolutely a capital ship makes a perfect little hub for them to report quests back, to do a little shopping. Or if they're R&R. associated with the, with the Empire. Also, yes, absolutely. Um, man, that, oh, I just, I want to do an Imperial campaign. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> that would be really cool. Like an Inquisitorious. Yeah, uh, or even like, uh, do like what I'm doing with Zero Distance, but like just a, a TIE Fighter squadron one oh, shot. Oh, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, how would a player take one down if they're in freighters and starfighters? Well, you know, Nate, my, my buddy, my old pal, how would a player take down a capital ship if they're in snub fighters and, and freighters? I think of one of probably the greatest scenes from Return of the Jedi where <laughs> that poor son of a bitch loses control of his A-wing, smashes right into the executor's bridge, and that shit drops like a motherfucking fly. So that's how they take him out. Yeah, so that, that's how they, all your players should be doing that. No. Um, oh, man. Kind of what we were just talking about earlier. You're never going to take down a capital ship by slowly draining its HP. 
No, that that's not going to happen. Too that's going to take all night. on board. Yeah, the, like the shields go up pretty much instantaneously for capital ships because of how many engineers they have working. Yes, the how you take down a capital ship in Saga Edition, if you ask me, is going to be like how we see it in the movies. A chance, one in a million event, fluke, mistake is going to take down a capital ship, like with the executor, or a hyper-organized, very specific storytelling path, boarding the Star Destroyer, breaking in to overload the reactor. That's how you take down a Star Destroyer, man. Like, yes, they have a health pool. Yes, they have HP. Yes, you really could sit there attacking it all night if you really wanted to. Ultimately, it's not about taking out a Star Destroyer. It's about getting a tactical advantage over the Star Destroyer. Yes. Anything like that, like cutting off supply lines stealing or... a star destroyer that's under repairs and kuat drive yards and you know i don't know overloading the reactor or you know opening every exterior hatch and sucking all the crew out <laughs> like I, I don't know man you can think of a billion ways to take out a star destroyer i think the last one on your list should be it's draining the health pool it. yeah because yeah. <laughs> and especially depending on the campaign i'm sure you know rebellion era you'd most likely want to take the ship rather than probably destroy it. Yeah. The rebel Alliance for all of their existence would probably sooner steal a star destroyer than destroy one. And at that point, the empire would rather destroy it than let it fall into exactly. And, and baby, so- <laughs> that's interesting. What if your party snuck into the, the under construction star destroyer and co-op drive yards, say they've made, they've uh, taken over the ship's computer. They have control of the bridge and they're about to head out. Guess what? The three other Star Destroyers still in orbit are firing on him now. <laughs> there you go. That's that's cool. what a twist. That is definitely w- sort of like they go to jump to hyperspace. They get taken out mid jump and they crash on a random Ooh. planet. And there's your next plot hook right there. Yep. Oh, man. Ooh, that, that gave me chills. I'm yeah. giddy for I that. I love stuff like that. Um, on deck plans. Um, are there deck plans? Yes. You can find deck plans for any Star Wars ship you want. Should you make it up instead? Yes. Um, (laughs) If you look closely, or even not very closely, into, like, the canonical size of most of these capital ships, they are the size of, like, metropolitan areas. Like, like, Staten Island, whatever the hell that is, you know, wherever that is. New York, maybe? That fictional place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or Manhattan or whatever. We've all seen the viral Reddit comparisons of a Star Destroyer to, like, the size of New York City. These you could meticulously, realistically portray the deck plans as they're listed in various Star Wars resources. For the love of God, don't. Please don't. Don't. So, uh, capital ship decks are more theater of the mind. Yeah, like you're running between areas, and maybe you have, let's say, the main command bridge. Yes. And a hangar yes. That's designed like that's as most as you'd need. Design meticulously the areas that you know you'll be using for everything else. The players already understand it's impossibly large. Yeah. They don't want a full deck plan. They want to know where the tractor beam controls are. And you say, oh, of course they're on sub deck G17. Yeah, you know this. Or it's it's as easy as I hacked into, I sliced into something, or my Imperial training has me, I just know. Yes. It's, it's, it's much better that way than it is to... Be like, oh, well, let me go check the deck. Let me go check the... Does this ship even have a tractor beam? Like, just, e- yes. Just just yes and it. It's a lot of... A lot of DMing is improvising. Yes, of course. And, you know, if you have a player that's demanding a detailed, canonically accurate deck plan of a Star Destroyer or of a Corellian Corvette or something, 
That's where I just have to shrug and be buddy. Well, you don't have a player. You have a trivia nerd. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. That that player isn't interested in playing the game at that point. They're interested in, you know, gosh. Flexing their Star Wars knowledge on you. Yeah. Yes. That is the plain truth of the matter. God, that, then that gets into, like, metagaming and stuff like that. That's definitely Absolutely. something we have to talk about. Absolutely. Um, maybe not this episode. No, probably not this episode. But something we need to go get into. Something I think is kind of just with the way we Star Wars fans are, I, I think is a bit of a, a problem that is, is pretty unique to Swissy. Um, I found an article from like 2009 that's entire. I think you can Google it, that's titled Why I Hate Star Wars Role Playing. And it's about this <laughs> problem how we have the entire player base of Saga Edition and just about every Star Wars RPG is Star Wars fans. And what do Star Wars fans love? They love the technical nitty gritty canon details. What's canon? What's not? What's legends? What's not? What's EU? What's not? And you know, Star Wars fans. We're both Star Wars fans. People really like to tell you what they think about these nitty gritty technical details in Star Wars. And in Saga Edition, they simply don't have a place here. You know, like we said in our think first or second episode, there. That's what you draw inspiration from. Something from an external Star Wars source should never inform what a player does in Saga Edition. It should inspire it, for sure, don't get me wrong. But you can't bring up an external Star Wars media to tell your Game Master why something should be the way it is. Or how it should be. Does that make sense? No, yeah, I get it. I mean, that's another one of those things where if you really have a problem with it, that's an after session. Yes, absolutely. Don't shut them down in the middle of the... I mean, as a DM, you're welcome to shut your player down if yeah. they are going on a tangent yeah. not related to the story at all. Mm-hmm. But I, your players are little ceramic babies you have to carry around and make sure they don't crack under the stress of being yeah. players. Um, just be, you can be nice about it. You don't have to, you can be firm. You yeah. don't have to be mean, you can be firm. Well, I would say like, hey, yeah, that's that's Tales of the Jedi. This is our Saga Edition game. Like, these are distinct lines of fiction. If you want to go into the nitty-gritty about why this corner of the galaxy has this versus that, like, literally you can give them any reason at that time. Yeah. But ultimately it's just like, hey, um, is there something wrong with the campaign setting or how I'm telling the story? Is there something you'd like me to include specifically? And that's when you Google Forms. That's when you bring the Google Forms back in. Bring out the Google Forms, baby. As much as I love uh, confrontation, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things where just... If you feel like all your player, one of your players has a specific thing they want to say, but they don't know how to say it in a way that won't upset both of you, yeah, then Google Forms it. <laughs> and very easy. Honestly, you know, we're all geeks. Shoving canon Star Wars uh, Star Destroyer deck plans in your face might be their way of saying that there's something missing from the campaign that they want to see. Yeah. The way they're choosing to do it sucks and is annoying, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that they aren't trying to say something constructive. You know, everyone has their, we, we hear a lot about love language. Love language applies in RPG too, man. Like everyone has their own way of saying something. And if you're like me, you don't know how to understand half of it. So <laughs> <laughs> shit takes time to suss out. And um, I don't know if your players are doing something weird, it's usually a sign that it's just time to talk about something. Yeah. Ultimately it's communication yeah. as always with, most things in human experience, it comes down to communication. And we started with deck plans and got impossibly broad. <laughs> but hey, I think I, I think that's a good thing. That's, that, I like... Alright. Deck plans are good for inspiration. Absolutely. Right? And nothing... 
as someone who likes Star Wars and likes the aesthetic design of Star Wars, yeah. when you're playing Star Wars and you're getting very generic, like, big... We talked about, like, for the combat maps and stuff like that. Like, just mm-hmm. big 40 by 40 empty space for Ugh. a Star Destroyer. Like, that's not really <laughs> fun. And unless you have a story reason for that. Yeah. And as long as you make it flavored Star Wars, if it's Star Wars flavored and it looks like, if it looks like Star Wars, tastes like Star Wars and sounds like Star Wars, it's Star Wars. <laughs> That's excellent advice and is absolutely true. Um, yeah. No one's going to know the difference if you're doing a faithful enough job to the overall feeling of Star Wars. If you can't get store-bought, homemade is fine <laughs> for Star Wars. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, as someone who has done a lot of very intricate maps. They're cool to do. They're not necessary. No. But if you like them and the combat is memorable enough to where the map is warrants the effort, mm-hmm. that's a different thing entirely. Of course. I've I've poured through pages of Google image searching for different deck plans and stuff like that. And ultimately, as long as you get the general like aesthetic, you're fine. You yes. don't need to be well this uh this cell block usually connects to like a d- bunch of other cell blocks like just just fucking don't <laughs> yeah. the deck plan is whatever your purposes exactly. are for the encounter pick and choose what you need splice photoshop stuff together what you need good gms cheat lion steal baby yeah i don't know well okay they do those things <laughs> good they... gms rob their local liquor store <laughs> Good GMs lie on their taxes. Yeah. <laughs> I got arrested because it was it reminded me of Star Wars enough to where I wanted to experience it. <laughs> I think we're going a little off the rails here, Steven. Yeah, I think we are too. We're hitting that point where it's you know we're at the end of the show here. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you have a quote this week. Oh well, man, I got to do. So you think about it. Okay, cool. <laughs> this show is uh, hosted by me, Sam, and my co-host Steven. Produced and edited by me, Sam, and Steven does a lot of the social media and this stuff. I really appreciate that he does that. Uh, you can reach us out on the Twitter, Dark Times SWSE, on uh, the Saga Edition Discord, on the Saga Edition subreddit. We've got that Patreon as well. And, um, yeah, all right, Steven, you got a quote for us now? I've given you time. I don't. I tried, no! Sam. <laughs> quick, quick, car- Star Wars quote generator. Quick, 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 quick. I really tried, man. I really did. <laughs> I just kept thinking of Begun the Clone Wars has. (laughs) (laughs) Only one that ever comes to mind. (laughs) Begun the Clone Wars has. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I got it. Go for it. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Steven. Sam, uh, this week is Thanksgiving. Um, Thanksgiving's always meant a lot to me. Um, I'm thankful for you. Aww. I'm thankful for this podcast, and I'm thankful for the Saga Edition community. Uh, we we have a beautiful thing going here, and every day I think it gets stronger. And I think if we're going to talk about Thanksgiving, we have to recognize, yes, originally it is based on a holiday. Oh, yes. The origins of Thanksgiving are beyond controversial. That goes without saying. It's mostly, I think it's evolved into being about family and people you uh, of care course. about. Stuff like that. We, I believe check your local areas, but some places are doing like indigenous people's yeah, dinners absolutely. and stuff like that. Totally. I know that we are here locally. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Do something like that. Yeah. I, I, the indigenous population gets very little to none recognition or respect for everything that most popular media takes from them. And I, Star Wars as well. Yeah. Seriously. I, I, like the, the night sisters or anything, anything that has to do with like tattoos. Mm-hmm. Usually it's some inspiration from, 
some sort of indigenous tribe or peoples that yeah. just did not get the credit they deserve. Absolutely. And if Star Wars is known for anything, it's caricatures and stereotypes. She lines steal. Yeah, she lines <laughs> exactly. Jesus. But yeah, I I mean I I I think if no matter how small a platform we have, we should use it to do good. No, in of the course. World. And you know, it's a holiday that has evolved to be about gratitude. And and there's no better way to show that gratitude than to you know, make right what has been wronged in the past and Absolutely. to stand up for what's right. That's speak what up, Star Wars is all about. Speak up for those who don't have the voice to speak. Absolutely. Uh, and especially for those who do not have the intelligence to speak. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, your quote, like your quote just went. All right, uh, good night, everybody. Have a good night. I don't have any post credit stuff. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, man. So good. <laughs>